Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast. Josh and Jell here live on a Wednesday, Jell. <laughs> live on a Wednesday. Favorite Hello. day of the week. Hump day. <laughs> Hump day. Mike, 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 Mike. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. <laughs> oh, God, God, that big commercial's sh- how old now? This oh, is, man. It's got to be the, going on. still great. I mean, it's, yeah. It, that's one of those that... Uh, that that may uh that's gonna be like a where's the beef went like from Wendy's. Oh yeah. I always where all the old where all the old people in the office talk about the where's the beef commercial and we're gonna be doing that when we're like sixty, seventy, so yeah. dropping the Get, dropping the <laughs> home day. Geico killed it with commercials for a long time. My other favorite one is what is it? George Washington crossing the Delaware and it's like the Delaware turnpike and he's like rowing a boat across the highway and it's not going anywhere and then <laughs> they're just the guy just lays on the horn and he's like oh big man with a horn <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about so that great. one that just absolutely die laughing every time I see those but I did think that the caveman ones were really stupid yeah I hated that I was one, not but... a fan either they were, uh, but hey, they, they they keep themselves relatively uh, relevant. Now, Progressive is doing a great job with their commercials. The uh, the don't don't turn into your parents ones, or <laughs> you know, they're starting to act like your parents or whatever the the campaign is. <laughs> yeah. Guy goes to the grocery store and oh, jackpot variety pack <laughs> <laughs> on the the pack of chips. Yes, <laughs> I laugh every time. <laughs> Got a big show for you today. Going to talk some MLB news. We're recording on Monday night, so we're going to give you the latest update there. It's about 6 p.m. Central time, so we got about six hours until that owner's deadline that they provided. So we'll touch on that, dive into some NFL news, of course, and talk a little college football and college basketball. So excited for that. Had some chaos going down over the weekend, but first... Hitting up the entire... uh... The spectrum of sports. Yeah. Hey, that's why we're dead arm sports, Joe. <laughs> First off, though, we got our question of the day. And my question today, Joe, what sports, quote unquote, opening day do you look forward to the most? So you got obviously opening weekend of football, opening weekend of college football. You got college basketball, hockey, NFL, baseball. What What's your favorite opening day? Which one do you look forward to the most? Yeah, I mean, I mean, baseball's the, that's my true love in sports. So baseball opening day is always holds like a little, it, it's, it's kind of a national holiday and uh, at least it's, you know, I'd like to treat it that way. And so I like to say that, but at the same time, opening weekend of college football there's not always a ton of good matchups. It's gotten actually a little bit better over the year where the opening weekend is usually at least like two or three really strong games. The next week, now it's week two, that's really the, you know, where it's, you know, Alabama versus, you know, Ramen Noodle University or whatever, <laughs> some some garbage school. But, uh, but that opening weekend of college football kind of really gets you going. I, I really I I don't know we've and I know a few years ago was it opening weekend when uh, the Badgers faced Alabama at AT and T 
Yeah, that was man. Kenya that was great wild off that goal, game. But, yeah, but like I don't know, but that it gets you excited and it kind of powers you through the, you know, almost the dog days of August when you get, you know, you get to get all excited for hey, couple weeks, college football, baby, let's go. So opening weekend of college football's probably my second favorite, but I mean MLB opening day is that, that's that's like I said. I hold that as like a kind of a personal national holiday. Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you. MLB is definitely my favorite opening day. A lot of times once I turned 21, dad gave me the invite to go down with his friends and stuff to opening day at Wrigley. So I took nice. in a couple opening days down there. And now most of the time it's obviously spent uh, working with some baseball on in the background. And yeah, just absolutely love the hashtag not a sponsor MLB TV package and just have games on just nonstop throughout that opening day. Just, just exciting to see fans back in the ballpark, baseball back and obviously get into that a little bit later on, but uh, see when that's going to actually happen. (laughs) Yes. And college football, like you had said, that is a very close second for me now too, especially now that you usually have a couple of key marquee matchups in that opening weekend. Last year we had a Great battle between Georgia and Clemson. Granted, Clemson season uh, kind of went down the shitter after that game. That was probably one of their better games of the season, at least. They put on. Competing. They put on. I mean, it was kind of a boring game. Yeah. Not a lot of points, but uh, still was an intense one yep. up until you know, really throughout the whole game. And but again, that's the kind of stuff that gets you excited for football and it gets you pumped for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, usually Saturdays are spent sleeping in a little bit, but that first first Saturday of college football alarm is set. Grab my coffee and turn on college game day. So nothing nothing better than that on a cool fall morning. Eventually that coffee turns into a bloody and, and we're off. Yes, sir. Well, I never said there wasn't anything in my coffee along with the regular coffee. But fair uh, enough, fair enough. <laughs> the, uh, the old, the old uh, boozed up cream. Yes. <laughs> We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Be the first thing that pops up. If you want to follow us on our individual socials, Gel can be found at Das Gel. That's at D A S J E L. I can be found at Das JPEG. That's at D A S J P E C. Send us in any questions that you have. We're more than happy to answer them on our next podcast. It'll be coming at you a little bit later on in the week. Check us out on your favorite listening platform. Send us in a screenshot of the review. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast as well. But send us in a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. Before we dive into the depressing MLB news we have at this hour, Gel, what are you sipping on today? So last uh, last episode, I had the Bud Light Seltzer orange soda. And I am moving on to the next flavor. You're going to be getting live reviews from this guy. <laughs> Uh, I have moved on to the citrus flavor, uh, so I believe I'm assuming it's supposed to taste like a sprite. So let's uh, let's give this one a go. <laughs> Love these live reviews, Gel. Hopefully, you save the other two flavors for later in the week and we can get live reviews. Yep, that's all the week. plan. Love it. Yeah, um, kind of tastes like a you know, it's a lemon lime kind of taste like a. I mean, it's no it's no McDonald's Sprite here. Let's not get <laughs> carried away. <laughs> But it's it's sweet like a soda, and you can't you know you don't taste the alcohol that much, so I guess it's kind of like you know it, it's like a diet tastes kind of like a diet soda, nice. so diet sprite I guess. So so far, uh, I'd say two for two. I did find so the other two flavors that are in the pack that you will hear on the 
Wednesday or sorry, the Thursday Friday releases. It's a cola and a cherry cola. Ooh. So I'm saving. I'll be saving those for for the next uh, our next set of a uh, next set of episodes. Out of curiosity, what uh, percentages are those? It's five percent. Nice, it's like any other seltzer. Very nice, and it tastes like pretty much tastes like soda. So not bad. Probably couldn't drink uh, too many of them because they are. It is pretty sweet, but uh, that that's all right. Sounds like it's uh, quite a bit better than that holiday pack that they send out. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? The ginger flavor and the cinnamon flavor, yeah, or whatever like the hell cinnamon. it was. The cranberry one wasn't bad. I'm not a big cranberry person, but yeah, they had just some wonky flavors in that. And these ones are these ones are okay. This so far, two, I'd say two for two so far on the you know solid, solid scale. If you're looking for something sweet and uh, you're not really looking to get rip shit on uh, seltzers, because <laughs> this would this would it would be a lot of sweetness yeah, for. Make sure you have the viewer gonna try to get, you know, real real uh, real deckered, but <laughs> make sure you got the so far tums nearby. decent sippers. <laughs> What about you, man? Did you move, did you graduate off the? Uh, I know you're still you're still fighting uh, fighting the the lack of sleep that you got <laughs> the last night. The old Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, it did move on to bigger and better things. Rocking a cabin fever from New Glarus. So, at a baby. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm jealous that I. You are jealous. I mean, obviously, the New Glarus <laughs> up there is freaking awesome. Cabin fever is delicious and. Uh, yeah, unfortunately not sold outside of the well, for me not sold sold out outside of the state of the of Wisconsin. There was that one bar in Minnesota that got <laughs> huge fines like, for having kegs. Major fines for selling spotted cow at their bar. Yes. <laughs> That's not cool, man. Get out of get out of our freaking state. <laughs> so, Why don't you move here if you want it? Right? Well, I say here. Move to Wisconsin <laughs> if you want it. <laughs> Something else it's not cool. Jump right into a gel. Major League Baseball owners said if there was not agreement by February 28th at 11.59 and 59 seconds p.m. that they're going to be canceling opening day and sounds like at least the first week of the season. MLB owners came out today and pretty much said before negotiations started that they're fine missing a month of the season. Saw a stat that if the first season or first month of the season is missed, it sounds like the Major League players in total would miss out on about $20.5 million just in that month of their salaries because if they're not playing games, the owners have said they're not getting paid. So the owners have said that they need four weeks of spring training, so it makes sense that opening day in that first week would have to be canceled. Right now we're starting in March. That's I mean, we're four weeks out from when opening day would be kicking off, so it's – it's down to crunch time again. We're recording on Monday night. It's about six fifteen p.m. Central time, so have about five hours and forty five minutes before that deadline hits, and nothing new to report. They've been meeting all day. It sounded like they it sounded like they met this morning for forty five minutes and then stopped, and then they were going to get back at it again. But not a whole lot going on. And obviously, you and I are huge baseball fans, and this is not the ideal news that we wanted to hear today. Well, and. In- What's tricky too to follow this is there are completely conflicting reports from a number of reporters. We had uh, John Heyman came out on Sunday saying that 
they were pretty that the MLB and the Players Association were pretty close on coming together with a deal. And the main, but the main hiccup was the luxury tax number. Uh, the the owners want a lower luxury tax, basically, so that they can have an excuse to not pay players and say, well, we don't want to go up into the you know go above the tax. Players obviously want a higher one. It's just like any negotiation where you you know for any it's it's based you know the luxury tax is kind of like a salary cap just a really a really soft salary cap I guess and the players want the highest salary cap possible and they're about as far from what I heard had last heard they're about like thirty to forty five million dollars apart uh, so hopefully somewhere they can meet in the middle somewhere there but then we heard other reports later in the day that they're not even close to being close really so players players apparently i mean nobody's really willing to budge we've seen this for we saw this in during the covid year that you know covid the 60 game season we saw the same bitching and moaning back and forth it's not surprising to me that this is taking so long that there hasn't really been any real progress i mean considering that they weren't real. They didn't really get going on these negotiations until what beginning of February is when maybe you know you started getting some reports of them having some more serious meetings, and then also during that time there were you know it come out that yeah they met for fifteen minutes today and went home and there was nothing done. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's just garbage and and what sucks is that it, I I question if the owners are really like negotiating in good faith here if they're if they're coming out and saying we're willing to risk losing a month of games like threat like you know that threat i don't know you don't need to you don't need to come out and say that just try to get it done if if this is them trying to kind of uh you know strong arm the players that's just not that's not right and that's not how good faith negotiations are done and nobody makes money if they can't get this done so you sh- they should both both parties should be negotiating in good faith and when the owners come out and make that threat saying hey we're willing to sit here for another month and do this until you guys cave that's not how negotiations work that's not how they should work at least when both sides are so dependent on the other yeah and like you said baseball with fan favorite and everything with the <laughs> being America's pastime We've definitely seen the ratings drop significantly the last few years and fan interest in the games. And this obviously is not going to help it at all. Baseball, a lot of people don't like watching it on TV because it's slow. And I'll be honest, I I love watching baseball, but it is slower. And it's one that I enjoy watching on TV because you don't have to be paying full attention to it. You can kind of just listen and just listen to the commentators, have it on the background and everything. But it's just, it's extremely frustrating that they're so far apart. And I don't know what it is about baseball, but you hear even the NFL, their negotiations and everything too, when their um, bargaining agreement and everything, the CBA is. I mean, off. that got done. That it gets got done. done. I don't even, I don't even know if the players association even countered the owner's first proposal. Yeah. There were talks from the star players saying, and, and for the NFL one, there were talks from the star players saying, no, this is garbage. Did you guys even look into what these, you know, these stipulations are? And, but they ultimately they, they agreed to, I think either the first or maybe there was one counter proposal for the entire agreement. That's crazy. 
yeah, both of their those parties come to the table like, okay, we want to get this done. They're both motivated to get it done to avoid a strike where baseball historically it's always either come down to the wire with it and sides are still pissed off at each other. It's just I don't know what is the deal with baseball. I mean, obviously without them having an actual salary cap, there's a lot more that needs to get discussed as far as revenue sharing and everything else in regards to that. So, it is more difficult in that regards, but Man, you, baseball just can't afford to take this hit and miss games, especially, like you said, with the COVID-shortened year two years ago. They lost a lot of fans there. No fans in the stands. They were doing some wonky rules, which they needed to do because of pitchers not being stretched out and everything like that. But it, I don't know. They, they need to get this figured out and get this going because the more time it that they miss, it's it's hurting everybody, players, owners, fans. Well, and, and this is now now with all these, you know, for the most part nationwide, I mean, most states, most cities have either gotten rid of or really loosened up on mask restrictions, that kind of stuff. I mean, now, you know, obviously we're moving into summer. People are going to want to go out. They want to be outside. They want to go to events because we haven't been able to at least, you know, go to normalized events in years so losing this interest and opening day is a huge deal for everybody i mean even non-baseball fans it's like you still know it's opening day for the mlb because somebody in your life whether it's a co-worker or multiple co-workers all of your co-workers i mean who what how many americans don't know that when baseball starts i i don't know i feel like most do uh, and or are aware when baseball starts and you know baseball season is also kind of the unofficial kickoff to summer so people get you kind of get you know the good vibes from opening day and and everything so missing opening day missing the first full month it's like it you kind of especially for the casual fan they're just kind of sitting there like when is this going to start? Like, what do I even get? Ex- like, can, how do I ramp? Like, you can't ramp up your excitement for the season if you don't know when it's going to start. And that's part that's part of the deal with baseball is, you know, just I mean, just going to the game, grabbing, you know, four or five, six friends and and just having something to do on a, a Friday night, a Saturday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon, just to go out and do something. And if you don't know when the season's going to start i don't it's it's hard to get excited for that so they're hurting themselves if they if they start losing especially a good number of games i don't think it's going to get to the nhl point where they missed a full season and so far they've never recovered i mean they're now just finally back onto espn and abc just this season yeah. so I don't think it'll get to that point with baseball, even if they did end up missing a full season, which, God, that would be so pathetic. But they're not doing themselves any favors unless they get themselves out there. And like you said, it's been... The the local ratings are still generally pretty strong for baseball, but the national TV ratings for games that are, you know, your Sunday night baseball, those are the ratings that are really starting to fall off and have been falling off over the last few years. And... You know, we if we lose national interest, it only hurts. It hurts baseball the entire game. Yeah, no, I I agree. 
Miami is short of an owner now. I had news come out today that (laughs) Derek Jeter is no longer sold his shares and no longer part owner of the Miami Marlins. Jeter apparently said that the vision of the future of the franchise is different than the one that I signed up to lead. Joel Sherman of the New York Post reported that it was a change in spending plans that was a tipping point for Derek Jeter. Apparently, Derek Jeter believed that once a lockout was over, they'd have about $15 million to spend on the 2022 roster to bring in new guys. And apparently, there was not uh, that $15 million that was being floated around and talked about. So it sounded like the Marlins are kind of status quo coming out of the lockout, not going to be spending any money. So obviously, if you're invested in a team, you want to put a good product out on the field. Derek Jeter is very familiar with winning and (laughs) won a lot of games when he was with the Yankees and does not want to be part of an organization that does not want to win. And obviously, this was uh, what he decided to do and move on from being a part of the Marlins. Yeah, I... I'm not surprised by that. I mean, it, I thought it was kind of surprising that Jeter, who has such, you know, a, such an amazing reputation, I mean, almost an untouchable reputation, that he would want to go join a team that has traditionally been as cheap as the Marlins. Yes, they did. They have won two World Series in the last, uh, since twenty since 2000 or since 99. Uh, they have won two World Series, but then the year after they win those titles... They've just shipped off all their players and they've gone back to being, you know, one of the lowest spending teams in the in the league. So, you know, even Miguel Cabrera, he was a young up and coming star. And they're like, ah, how do we get cheaper and avoid paying this guy? They had that awesome uh, outfield with Stanton, Marcelo Zuna and Christian Yelich, and they shipped off all those guys. So I was kind of surprised that Jeter, even at the beginning, like when he did when he did get into that ownership group that he wanted to be a part of this organization. Cause I figured he would want to be one of, you know, with an organization that is extremely dedicated to winning and they clearly aren't, if they're not willing to, you know, I don't think the Marlins are that far off. They, they were a playoff team during that shortened season. Yeah. Last year wasn't great, but they've got some nice young pieces. Sandy, uh, Alcantara, uh, and uh, Chaz Chisholm, two really you know good young players. I'd say the turning point on is the was the obviously incredibly tragic death of uh, Jose Fernandez yeah. a few years back, and it seemed like they they had some really sweet momentum and could never recover after that. But and maybe maybe that was part of Jeter's whole plan was okay. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna be a. I believe he was only a four percent ownership yeah i mean it was uh, a minority stake yep but he probably went in and said uh, you know i can be a part of fixing this team but if the if the majority owner isn't going to be willing to pony up 15 mil to continue growing this team and and you know being able to bring in free agents make some trades and improve this team i get it from jeter's perspective that he wants to dip out I mean, he's again, you don't want to be when you have such a an untouchable reputation that he has, you don't want to be tied to a losing organization. So I, I get it from Jeter's perspective. Yeah. And that Miami organization, like you had touched on, they've got a lot of potential. I mean, Miami's obviously a great market for a lot of players. 
Major League Baseball, there's a lot of Latino players that would absolutely love probably to go down to Miami, great Latino culture down there and everything. But we see it historically. They just go through every, I don't know what, eight years or so, seven to eight years where you've got just hitting on everything. All the young guys, all the young prospects come up and end up playing really well. 1997, 2003, both those years they win the World Series and what do they do? turn around the next year and it's a fire sale and they're getting rid of everybody because they can't pay them or afford them. I mean, what did we see? The I think there's been one season. I don't think it's season. because they can't. I don't think it's because they can't afford it. I think it's because they choose, choose not to. Yeah. Not to, which is, that's and that's the worst type of ownership you can have. Yeah. Well, the one year, I can't remember which year it was, but it was the year that they traded for Ozzie Guillen to come in. And I think they, they throw money at... They signed a... Uh, Jose Reyes, Mark Burley. Yeah, Burley. Yeah. They had also planned, they had also offered Albert Pujols a shit ton of money too. Yeah. And he and he ended up going to the Angels. So they did try it. That was the year they opened up that little uh that little toy store down in Miami, the their new stadium. But that's what it looks <laughs> like. The nice uh fish, um what was that eyesore out in center field that would light <laughs> yeah, up right <laughs> that's no longer there. Thank goodness, but <laughs> no. So it's, it's like it's like they, they like you said it's it seems like it's about that time frame. Every eight or so years, they'll make a little bit of a run and be willing to spend a little bit, and then either the second that they have success or the second that they don't, they just blow it all up and rebuild for again five, six, seven years down the line. Yeah, which yeah, it's it's extremely frustrating, but that's what happens in the MLB sometimes. <laughs> Moving on to former Texas Ranger and uh, last year played on the New York Yankees, Joey Gallo. He updated his LinkedIn account today, kind of went viral (laughs) and uh, put on his uh, employers on there, put on some interesting tidbits, some information about him under skills, striking out, hitting into the shift, getting dressed weird. I want to Get a little more insight in that one. That uh, sounds a little bit interesting. Yeah, he's he's got a he's got to light up like <laughs> some social media with some of those goofy outfits now. Right. Pressure's on now, Joey. Yeah, we want to see that. But the thing that I wanted to dive into a little bit more, kind of get your take on it, Gel, is he had a quote that came out last week that he was talking about the shift, and he says, "quote I think at some point you have to fix the game a little bit." I don't understand how I'm supposed to hit a double or a triple when I have six guys standing in the outfield, end quote. So he obviously does not like the shift. He is a lefty hitter that obviously is a pull hitter. And obviously the last few years and the last decade, we've seen a lot of shifts happening in baseball. Second baseman moves out into shallow right field. Shortstop comes up and shadows just a little bit more toward shortstop from where the second baseman's at and that third baseman's essentially in the hole at shortstop. So what, uh, what do you think about the shift? Is this something that needs to be addressed in baseball or is this something that hitters need to adjust? I think that at this point, baseball has to ban the shift, at least to some degree. I would love to see two infielders on the left side of the, of second base, two infielders on the right side of second base and all in the dirt at least when the pitch is thrown. It's kind I mean, and I don't, whatever you want to do in the outfield, I, I care about that less because it's so damn, it's, it was already hard to hit a baseball when pitchers were on average throwing 88, 90, 92. Now 
you're you're going to have a starter out there that goes five innings that throws 96. Then you're going to bring in a seven, a sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy that's going to throw 98. Then you then you've got a closer in the ninth inning that's throwing 99, 100, 101 or more. So it's I don't know how like a Joey Gallo outside of bunting to the left side, you know, down the third baseline. <laughs> Like, that's not a, you can't, that's always been the argument is why don't they just bunt it down the line? It's really hard when you're a, you're used to slugging your whole life and you're doing it against guys that can throw sliders that have what looks on TV. looks like it's bending three feet in the air. (laughs) Like, I don't, it's, it's, it's bunting, bunting alone is hard. Just, you know, like in high school, it's hard to, and so these guys that, have been sluggers their whole life. Now you're asking them to do a precision bunt down the left field or down the third baseline. That's really a hard thing to do. And that's ultimately also not what like the other teams, defensive analytics are worried about. They're worried about the doubles that Gallo is talking about. That's what they obviously want to prevent. So really a guy like Gallo, a slugger like Gallo, or even like Marcelo Zuna, who's a righty, and he's more of a pole power hitter. They do the same kind of thing over there on that side of the on that side of the infield. So all these guys, all they can do really is try to hit bombs. And that's why now you're seeing the MLB average batting average now in like the two tens to in the two or two fifteen ish range around throughout baseball. And you know, ultimately why should these players change the way that they, you know, change their approach? These hitters change their approach because they're still getting, I mean, Joey Gallo, as long as he goes out and hits 45 bombs, he's still going to get paid. So you just got a bunch of Adam Dunn's out there now. And and it's led to, you already, you already said earlier in the episode, it's become a lot slower of a game. And it's because you have walks, strikeouts, home runs, not, and guys aren't getting on base. So they're not, there's, you're seeing less on-base action, less base stealing, just less, you know, ballsy running outside of maybe Mookie Betts when the Dodgers won the title. How much, do you you remember in the World Series, Betts got a single, stole second, stole third, or and then and then came home on like an infield single? <laughs> yeah. That was some, that was one of the most incredible, incredibly fun runs to watch. Yep. And that's what we're missing right now. And I think analytics... And the defensive shift, both those things, I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. Analytics aren't going anywhere. So for, I think, the excitement of the game, for the speed of the game, for just more in-game action, you have to do something. And the easy, I think the easiest way to do it is is banning that shift and requiring two infielders on each side of second base. Yeah, I could see that. You could easily put in a rule. And I mean, the shortstop could literally be just inside of that second base bag on the left side of the infield. But we see right now, we see see the Brewers do this all the time where they'll have, when they're shifting to all their guys to the right side, they'll keep the shortstop in that position. Then they'll move the third baseman to the other side of second base. That's like, like, that's crazy. That's not baseball. That's not the baseball that we know (laughs) that we grew up with. And I don't... Oh, I don't know. That's I'll let you continue. Yeah, no, and it's one of those things that baseball has been an ever changing game. And I mean, look at the years that Tony Larusso would go and he'd bat the pitcher in the eight spot, just 
with analytics. I mean, you've gotten so much more information about the game that people just try different things. And the shift is something that has stuck because it does work in getting some of these power hitters out. And like you had touched on, Joey Gallo is not making money to bunt the ball down the third baseline. However, I would love to see a power hitter just focus during the offseason and be like, I'm just going to bunt the shit out of the ball this year if they put a shift on me and make them <laughs> go ahead and get back I totally, into I would that. Love it I would too. love it, but I I don't want to see somebody bunt it down the third baseline. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm at a game or <laughs> watching on TV and I'm yelling, just fucking bunt it down the line. <laughs> but no, I mean, like you said, pitchers are throwing just nasty off-speed pitches and throwing 101 miles an hour and it's hard enough to bunt the ball accurately anywhere regardless of if you're trying to do so or not but it's still and if you're the jackass that ends up trying to bunt and you end up bunting it back to the pitcher it's like because bunting is hard then it's like well that was a waste of our lives like (laughs) people are already complaining about pitchers having to bunt like now we now we have our sluggers bunting like yeah, I don't know. Well, and that's a, like you had touched on too, with just the speed of the game and the excitement level. It'd be nice if there wasn't the shift anymore and we see more doubles into the gap. You see more singles to get guys on base and everything like that. It just it makes a game more interesting for just the casual fan. I mean, obviously you and I wouldn't mind tuning into a game and seeing a great pitcher's duel back and forth, but the average baseball fan that's turning on the TV they want to see runs scored. They want to see home runs. They want to see doubles in the gap. I mean, they don't want to watch somebody grounding into the <laughs> just a routine sink. Raking, or a, raking a ball. ball. Yeah, just raking a liner, and it ends up going straight to the second baseman who's in shallow right field. That's lame. Yep. No, I mean, even at least when Big Poppy was out there, you know, his he'd have they, yeah, he'd maybe have the second baseman. That would be deep in the, you know, that would be lined up in the outfield. But the rest of the field was pretty much, you know, I mean, maybe a minor shift, but you didn't also have a third baseman over there in case he hit it, you know, a little bit more towards second base. I don't know. It just, it takes away, it, it, it works. That's why they do it. It takes away hits, but I want more hits, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and that's what I don't know if until something comes and gets banned, if hitting coaches need to try and put more emphasis on hitting the ball the other way. Because like you said, if you got somebody that was good enough to get the bunt down and all you pretty much have to do is get it in between the pitcher and the third base bag. That third baseman's probably not running in and throwing you out most of the time. But even so, it's just then you get on base and guess what? They can't put the shift on because they're going to be a double play depth. They have a very minor shift. If the next guy up is a lefty batter or righty pull hitter. So it, it would help, but I, I get it. You're not paying these huge sluggers, big money to slap the ball or bunt it down the third baseline. Nobody wants to see that. They want to see, see big plays from them, but it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you do about it other than I do like your idea of you have to have two infielders on the left side of second base, two on the right, and nobody can start in that outfield right away. Moving on to the NFL, the competition committee is going to be proposing uh, new overtime rules that would take place pretty much just during the playoffs. They want to keep it. And I think everybody's in agreement that the regular season overtime rules are completely fine, but Playoffs is where it starts getting a little bit more dicey. Yeah, playoffs? Kidding me? (laughs) 
But talking about the playoffs, <laughs> just with teams we saw it this year, where you have an epic game between the Chiefs and Bills, and Josh Allen doesn't even get to touch the ball in overtime. So, I believe the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, committee is the one that is proposing it so we'll see if anything happens from it not too much to report on it right now I don't know if there's any necessarily specifics on it but it's interesting that they're going to be talking about this after a couple seasons in a row now that we've seen this I mean was it three years ago then Tom Brady was with uh, New England and Pat Mahomes didn't even get to touch the ball either so it has happened at least a couple times in the playoffs which is frustrating I it's like I think if they do make the, I'm good. I think if they make the change for both the regular season and the playoffs, that's prop. That's ideal in my view. But I don't think they even have a choice now to not make this change for the playoffs. Like everybody felt jobbed, even just us as viewers. Like what we just saw the best. We just saw the best football game. Of the year with the two, pro- I mean, arguably the two best quarterbacks in the in the in the league, go back and forth. Like, how many touchdowns were scored in that fourth quarter? It felt like it was like six. I don't know if that's right off the top of my head, but they were going back and forth. And Josh Allen scores with 13 seconds left, and then Mahomes comes back with 13 seconds left and takes the lead or or ties it up to go into OT. Like, we can't. Us as viewers felt gypped. So imagine how these Bills players felt. Or fans of the Bills or Or, anybody. Yeah. yeah. The Bills Mafia? I don't think they're too happy. Yeah. I'm sure a lot more tables were broken after that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, I'm sure Amazon and Ikea make a killing off those tables. (laughs) Probably. But... But yeah, no, I, I I think at this point they don't have a choice but to make that rule change at least for the playoffs yeah no i'm i mean it's it's a winner go home yeah you gotta i mean i know there's the people out there that are like well your defense just needs to stop them that's on them well in a playoff game no we can't you gotta have something else every team needs the opportunity to at least score and have well and, and the other thing too like if if the coin so really the coin flip ends up deciding the games. Yeah, I get that the coin flip, that's a 50-50 proposition. But in the playoffs, during overtime games, I think the it's close to 90% of the teams that win the win the uh coin toss win have like since they started since they made this rule have won the game. So that's about as far from 50-50s you can get. <laughs> right. So they got to do something. Yeah. No, it, it is And this is the easiest that. thing for them to do. Yeah. No, I, I don't have any issue with that at all. So I'm glad they're at least looking into it, and hopefully we can get some good ideas flowing there and get a nice rule change going into next year's playoffs. What did you What did you think about the uh, – I believe the Ravens proposed, I think it was after last season, where – the winner of the coin toss chose where the ball would be spotted, and then the other team would choose offense or defense. Did you hear about that? I didn't. I heard, a, I heard a little bit of steam from that. There's a lot of strategy and a lot of analytics that would be involved. It'd be kind of hard to follow, yeah. which would be the downside of that rule. Uh, you know, I mean, 
if you're playing, if I'm playing you in Madden, and that was what we had to choose, it's like I don't even I don't even know where I would want to go. It, where I'd want to place the ball, I'd probably just place it the fifty and say, you know, good luck <laughs> or something. I don't like right. I don't know. <laughs> you spot it on your own one and give the other team the ball. Well, <laughs> well then the other team gets the ball and, and like. Okay, well, good. nice work, guys. Yeah. Like, see the Raiders or somebody, you know, some interim coach doing some something. We got like a great that, goal but... line defense, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I thought that was a weird, interesting strategy, but I don't know. It'd be really hard to follow to see what's actually the right strategy behind this. Yeah, that would be interesting to say the least. But hopefully, you get yeah. more ideas like that, though. I mean. Get a group of no, guys spitballing about it. Yep, that's what we need. NFL announced a few teams and matchups that are going to be taking place over in Europe next year. Teams that are going to be playing in London: the Packers, Saints, and Jacksonville Jaguars. Shocking, Europe's team <laughs> <laughs> heading back over there. So they took a year off, obviously with COVID stuff going on this last year. So they will be. Back over across the pond, and got also have Tampa Bay playing a game in Munich, Germany, and Arizona heading down to Mexico City. So don't have opponents yet announced for some of these games, but just a handful of teams that they announced today that are going to be making the trek across the, across the border. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, Green Bay I, in a you know, a home game in London, I'm sure that it's going to be like 95% Packers fans though, no matter who their opponent is. I know that Europe is green Bay is a global brand. Like when I was over there in, um, during my study abroad trip in Paris, there were Packers, there was a Packers bar in Paris, which was sweet. Cause you know, it was me and my, my study abroad group all from, Wisconsin from a uh, you know University of Wisconsin Milwaukee and so we we went there and we thought that we'd be like hey we're all from Wisconsin we thought they'd be all jazzed up and they were like oh hey guys what's going on <laughs> I'm pretty probably because like everybody that goes into that bar like I bet like half the people that go into that bar are you know Packers fan or you know from Wisconsin or whatever but thought it was gonna be super exciting they'd be all jazzed up and be like oh yeah shots guys but uh did not happen, but my point being, though, is, you know, Packers bars over there in France, I'm sure that they exist also in London or in the UK, and I bet that that fan base is going to be probably probably 90% Packer fans. Yeah. Plus, Packer fans travel, you know? Yep. So, this could be this could be a lot, of, a lot of people from Green Bay or from, you know, that are Packers fans. Maybe this is going to be their first international trip in however long, or... Or maybe ever going going over to that side of the world. So it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We were kind of joking before we started recording today. So we've got Packers, Saints, Jacksonville, Tampa, and Arizona. And Packers could be potentially no Aaron Rodgers this year. Saints, who knows who their starters are going to be at this point. You got rookie Trevor Lawrence, who was very unimpressive this last year. Granted, he was dealing with a lot being in Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady just retired and Arizona, Kyler Murray's kind of up in the air right now and says he wants a new contract. <laughs> so you could potentially be seeing uh, a lot of different guys behind center in uh, these games, which is <laughs> kind of funny, but 
That would be not so great. I I think my just the main hope is that for this game in Mexico City, it's not the uh, not the the slop fest that it was a couple of years ago when people just like these players were like, we can't even play on this. It's just mud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was not good. That ended up being one of the best games of the season, though. I believe they moved it to the Coliseum and the Rams had a home game. Right? Wasn't it Rams Chiefs? Yeah, that just yep. epic. That battle. was the that was that Monday night game, yes, which was absolutely amazing. That was that was when that was the high point of Jared Goff's life, maybe. <laughs> wow, <laughs> get bodied. Hey, Jared he went Goff. to Detroit. He went to Detroit not too long after that. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> Speaking of not getting any better, gel, we had news come out that college football had the lowest in-person attendance in the last forty years. So, I don't take too much of it. There is a lot of stadiums a lot of areas that were still under some sort of covid restriction so i don't necessarily think that it's any lack of interest at all i think it was just kind of had stuff to do with that people maybe not feeling comfortable going out to the stadiums or whatnot but do you see anything else from this do you think this is the start of a downward trend at all or is just kind of just an anomaly i think it's probably a combination of both i think the other thing that you have to consider outside of obviously the COVID restrictions that ha- that plays a huge part in all this no question but also just how much better tv has gotten in terms of presenting games i mean you, you i don't you're not as desperate to get to a game i don't think as as maybe you would have been in the past given you know okay do i want to go and hang out with a bunch of people that are just absolutely shit canned i'm sitting i'm paying <laughs> I'm paying 80 bucks to go sit up in the rafters or do I want to sit at home in front of my 75 inch screen TV with a nice sound bar and I can make my own food or order whatever food I want at a relatively reasonable price. So I think that maybe it may be a combination of the two. I mean, there's definitely nothing like being at a game still. The, the experience overall at a game is absolutely incredible, but it may play a bit of a part for you know the casual fan of just saying you know why do i need to go to the game when i can just watch it at home i don't have to i don't have to hire a babysitter i don't have to you know worry about traffic all that stuff when when the broadcast now the tv experience is so damn good well at the 11 we're in the central time so i'm referring to the 11 o'clock game which you're in eastern obviously it's the noon kickoff for the college games but I mean, you look at how many different channels have games on at that point in time. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, hey, bring over a case of beer. Let's sit down and just watch football all day. So you can literally be flipping back and forth. Or as you go to a game, first off, some of the stadiums, I mean, UW, they don't, you can't even get alcohol in the general stands there. So, I mean, that's right. <laughs> so that probably plays a little bit of a factor, but again, I, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm going to the game if I can. I I love just being the atmosphere, the crowd going nuts and everything. So, but it has gotten a lot more appealing. Like you've said with just how great the picture is on a lot of TVs and in the comfort of your own home, not waiting in line to (laughs) use the restroom and (laughs) plays a part. Yeah. And just the money factor too, like you said, if you have a family of four, the price to go to one game and then you add on not only just the ticket, the face value of that, you've got 
concessions and just getting there sometimes is a hassle depending on where you're going to. So, oh, I I can definitely see that. <clears throat> Do I want to spend 900 bucks for my family of five to go to a game to, you know, if I want to have a half decent seat or do I want to spend 1200 bucks on a balling ass flat screen with the sound system for the full football season and obviously beyond like that's the, you know, it's gotten just a, a lot more affordable for some, you know, with all the technology that's coming out and that's I, all that plays a part. I think that this 40 year low is an, is an anomaly, but you know, we'll we'll have to see. I guess how next year's numbers come out. I, I'm sure that it'll it'll jump back up because again, like I was touch, touching about touching on with baseball, people are gonna now want to get out now with you know not having to worry about a mask while I'm <laughs> wearing a mask while I'm amongst forty five thousand people that are you know where we're you know butt to butt with each other, <laughs> like while wearing a mask like or i guess in college football stadiums more like 85 to 100,000 probably at least for the big time games so it's going to it'll turn around but i just thought it was kind of a quick little you know nice little nugget there oh yeah speaking of anomalies had quite the NCAA basketball weekend or two weekends out now from selection sunday two weeks from now it'll be well, you're listening to this on Wednesday. It'll be the last night of the playing games. You're going to be going to sleep tonight, Christmas morning, the next day with the March Madness tournament uh, kicking off. So it's yeah. had just an absolute epic weekend this last weekend. Six of the top seven seeds in the country go down. Gonzaga. No, the, t- the top, it was the top six. Top six, yeah. Six, top six, top seven, six of top seven of the top ten. Yes, my bad. My bad on that. But yeah, the top six. Teams in the country, Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Purdue, Kentucky, Kansas, all going down this last weekend. (laughs) Ahead of, or kicking off this week, a lot of the non-Power 5 conferences have their conference tournament this week with that automatic qualifier that's going to get into that NCAA tournament field. And a lot of these tournaments that are coming up this week are huge implications. A lot of these conferences are only getting one team in, so you have to win your tournament in order to get in and had absolute chaos and i don't know about you gel but i don't know that i've been more hyped for a march madness tournament this year just with so much parody i mean gonzaga arizona auburn look like they're the top three teams in the country but again they just went down this last weekend gonzaga losing to st mary's on the road and it'll be interesting it's one of those tournaments that there isn't really a clear front runner or a clear couple front runners there's I don't know, probably 10 to 15 teams in the country that you could see taking home the crown this year. Yeah, I mean, Duke has been red hot. I was kind of surprised they didn't get up. And I think, I believe, uh, they're, so this the new top 10 after all these losses, Gonzaga remains at the top, uh, which for me is not a surprise. No. They've really, for the most of the part, most of, most of the season taken care of business. And obviously, obviously we're in the title game last year. So I'm not surprised at Gonzaga at one, uh, number two, Arizona, three Baylor. Then from there, Duke, Auburn, Kansas, Kentucky, Purdue, Providence, Wisconsin, finishing off rounding up the top 10. So you're really seeing a lot of those teams that did end up losing remain in the top 10. I think that's fair. Uh, because what else are you going to do? You can't, (laughs) I mean, you're not going to drop Gonzaga down to, 
seven or eight from after this one loss, right. you know, so with no obvious team that can take over that number one spot. So, but yeah, like you said about this parody, this is going to be sweet. Like there's, I, this is one of those years where you might see a, a seven seed Yukon come out and, and win the title or make the, or you could see a VCU type of run and you know, where there you got teams like that or Butler making the final four, which is, I mean, it's always amazing to see these Cinderellas go, and this could be one of those years because, like you, I mean, there's a lot of teams that there's no clear cut number one. There's a lot of really, you know, solid teams, but we didn't think Arizona was going to be here at the beginning of the season. No. Providence is ranked number nine. Wisconsin at ten. We didn't think those two teams would be in the top ten at the beginning of the season. They've just had players that have come out and. And bald. Same thing with Auburn. I mean, yeah, we. I think Auburn's got a good amount of talent, but I don't think we really thought of them going into the season as yeah, they're going to be a top five team. So there's a lot of a lot of surprises, and and you know, not to you know hashtag not a sponsor, but I'm loving it. <laughs> no, I am too. I'm excited to dive in. We've got a couple surprises out there for the listeners for some segments that we're going to do for the March Madness tournament. Have a huge surprise that uh, we won't ruin that'll be taking place during Pumped. that week. But uh, no, it'll be an absolute blast. We've got, you're listening to this on Wednesday, so you know the result right now. But again, we're recording on Monday, Purdue, Wisconsin, battle at the Kohl Center on Tuesday night. So that's a huge Huge one with huge implications on the regular season Big Ten title right now. Wisconsin's got a one-game lead in the conference. So, no, it's it's getting down to crunch time, and it's getting down to where you can pretty much find a basketball game on at any point in time during the day starting Thursday. Usually all the conference tournaments, some of the smaller ones will be on. And love watching some of those tournaments. You get teams that are so fired up because that's this is their shot. This is their only chance to get into the tournament and – everything's on the line for him. So it's, this is my favorite time of the year when you turn the page over to March and just a kickoff of an absolutely fantastic month. It's going to be a full, full what month and a half or so now of, uh, of, of some sweet college basketball action, which we obviously are in desperate need of, uh, given the state of major league baseball. So let's, uh, don't disappoint college ball. <laughs> right. Do us, do us right. Yeah, hopefully we're not hyping this up, and then it'll be just chalk in the brackets, but <laughs> hopefully Watch not. that. Yes. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back later in the week with uh, more news and probably another segment for you. We just had quite a bit of news that popped over the weekend. Hopefully we'll have an update for you on baseball one way or another. Should have that deadline here, T-minus five hours, Jill. Fingers crossed that uh, something nervous. happens. <laughs> but we can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. You want to follow Jell, he can be found at Das Jell. I can be found at Das JPEG. Send us in any questions, comments, concerns you have about the show. More than happy to hit you back via DM or else respond on our next podcast and you'll get a nice shout out. So send us in any questions that you have. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us in a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. Joe, where can they find us at? Hit us up on our presenting sponsor, Anchor, uh, both on the web and via the app uh, on the web at anchor.fm. 
via the app, your Apple App Store or Google uh, Google Play Store uh, just by searching Anchor. <clears throat> they allow us to do all of our editing and all you know, and allow us to release this out to you guys full frizzle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your chosen listening platform. Take a screenshot of that written review. Send it to us at Dead Arm Sports with that screenshot, uh, either on Twitter or Instagram, uh, or on our Dead Arm Sports Facebook page just by searching Dead Arm Sports. We will hook you up with some Dead Arm sticker action for free. And, uh, you know, also while you're sending us that written review, Make sure to send us any questions. We're we're uh we're always open to hearing hearing some s- suggestions for something you guys want us to talk about. Any question you have uh on on really any sport here. So uh, just whatever you guys uh you know make sure to support the show. Tell your friends, family, pets, coworkers, uh you know random guy on the street, mailman, whatever. <laughs> Call into other radio shows and tell them to listen. <laughs> Yes, we, kind of we, we appreciate that a lot. <laughs> so do those <laughs> other shows when you call them. They definitely do. <laughs> so, all right, that'll wrap it up here again. We'll be back later in the week and get you some more news and notes and probably have some more college basketball to talk about with some of those conference tournaments kicking off. But, uh, again, appreciate everybody out there listening. And Joe, close us out. Help me think of a rhyme, you uncultured swine. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.